The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumblings.com and host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. As always, you can phone in your questions at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook messages or Instagram messages over at the Buffalo Rumblings channels will get to me. Email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com with your questions for next week's episode and episodes in the future. We look forward to hearing from you. All, always, your questions make the show better. The Bills won 18-10 to 10 over the New York Jets in a game that, you know, you can read out of it what you want to read out of it. Um, I called it an ugly win after the game. They were in scoring position, what, eight or nine times. They held the Jets to four yards in the second half. Like, they did a lot of the things that you want to see them do. But still, they didn't score enough points. They didn't score enough touchdowns. And uh, that's, of course, problematic to a lot of Bills fans. So we'll get to all of that in today's episode. Let's start with my takeaways from the game before we get into the questions for this week. A lot of individual performances highlighted in our takeaways this week. But uh, the Tyler Bass game, uh, he was six for eight on field goals. He set the franchise record for field goal attempts and tied the franchise record for field goals made. So pretty big day for Tyler Bass, the rookie. Um, I thought he was okay. Obviously, he had the bad miss right off the bat. And we were kind of like, oh, what's going to happen now? But he uh, came through. It was the first time since at least 1940 that a team won a game without punting and without scoring a touchdown. So that's from Elias Sports Bureau. Um, Pro football reference doesn't go back further than 1940, so I don't know. And there's a bunch of different dates floating around because box scores were reported incorrectly. And so you, if you looked at pro football reference, I know a few folks saw that there were some games from like 1949 where a team didn't punt and didn't score a touchdown and still won. But then you went and looked at the actual game recap and you saw that they punted. So uh, it's it's been a long time since the team won without punting and without scoring a touchdown. So kudos uh, to Tyler Bass 
for his six field goals. Cole Beasley had a career day, and uh, it felt like it. He was the security blanket for Josh Allen for sure. He had a career high 11 catches and a career high 112 yards, and they were all big and none bigger than that end of the two minute drive in the first half where he was able to get the Bills in field goal range. But the Bills were really missing John Brown. And with offenses, or sorry, with defenses taking away the offense's ability to go deep, playing a lot of cover two shell playing to stop the long ball from Josh Allen and this Bills offense, Cole Beasley is just feasting underneath, and he's had a great few weeks. They haven't really been getting him involved for two full halves until this game against the Jets, and it was one of the things that we wanted to see, especially if John Brown wasn't going to be in the game, is get Cole Beasley cooking underneath. So if they do take away those long passes, we can still – matriculate the ball down the field, and that's exactly what happened. So it was very nice to see that. Another great um, individual effort was Dane Jackson making his first NFL start. I believe he played 100% of the snaps in his first NFL action, which is just crazy. Uh, But Cam Lewis had a club on his arm because he hurt his uh, wrist. Uh, Josh Norman was out with a hamstring injury. Levi Wallace is out. With I think it was an ankle, but you know he's been on injured reserve for three weeks. Maybe it was a hamstring. I don't really remember. Not really important. But Dane Jackson comes in and just really plays well. And um, they might have to worry about him getting signed off the practice squad right now. But uh, he reverted back to the practice squad. We'll see how that works out over the course of the next few weeks. But uh, it was nice to see him. He got uh, an interception. Uh, at the end of the first half, and then the Bills were able to convert that into points, uh, as we previously mentioned with uh, Cole Beasley and Tyler Bass. So it was just a lot of nice little individual efforts making their way to that late first half score. Speaking of that late first half score, the two-minute drive delivered. Uh, it was a really uh, – 40 seconds left. They're inside their own 20-yard line, and they were able to move the ball down the field it was just really, really well done uh, by the Bills. A pass over the middle to Singletary. Um, an eight-yard out to Diggs, which stopped the clock, able to let them get their bearings. Then nine yards to dig at a timeout. And in completion, there was seven seconds left. Um, they needed some yards. Beasley took the slant header for 14 yards in five seconds. Buffalo called their final timeout. Tyler Bass kicked it through. It was like exactly how it was supposed to happen. And... Uh, so it was nice to see it. Uh, Jerry Hughes leads a resurgent Bills pass rush. You know, I, I wrote an entire opinion piece on Hughes Monday, but his stat sheet finally matched his impact. He's been playing well all season, and now finally he has the stats to, to back it up. That's not a criticism of Hughes. It's a criticism really of everybody around him about how guys aren't making or are, are leaving it open for the, the quarterback to step up in the pocket or to evade the pressure on the other side instead of being able to pin him in a spot so that Jerry Hughes or whoever else can take him down. I think Hughes has been playing great all year. And now finally, some folks might stop whining that he doesn't have enough sacks. You know, he's been generating consistent pressure all year. He's been beating his man all year. And this game was just a microcosm of that. He just actually was able to bring it home because Darnold holds on to it a little bit longer. And I think we had a good game from Ed Oliver and a bunch of the other Bills front four. 
They got sacks from AJ Klein, Tredavious White, Trent Murphy, Dean Marlowe, Matt Milano, AJ Epinesa. Those guys all had half sacks. Jordan Poyer had a full sack, and then Hughes had two. Um, Hughes was especially important on that final last gasp drive for the Jets when they got the ball back inside the two-minute warning. On uh, After the Jets got their first first down of that drive, Hughes was held on first down. He was rather tackled <laughs> by George Fant or uh, whoever the Jets' right tackle was. I can't remember. And um, it was pretty, like, he just, like, grabbed him, like, hip-tossed him down. It was the most obvious holding call I've, I've seen in a really long time. Uh, so it set up second or first and 20. Hughes got the sack on first and 20, and uh, Darnold lost a two or three yards. And so then on second and 22 was that weird kind of, you know, interception that Hughes was able to get for his first career interception. So on three consecutive snaps, Hughes was the difference. And uh, it's just really great to see you know, him finally get that recognition and finally get the stats when he has been playing so well all year. Zach Moss came alive. Uh, he was was the Bills running game in the second half in a lot of ways. Uh, it did take them 20 minutes of game time to get a Bills running back a carry which was slightly concerning, but Moss finished with seven carries for 47 yards, his best game as a pro, and he had a nice uh, bruising run in the second half. And then uh, some Bills history is intact. Buffalo has never lost to a team that was 0-6 or worse, and that streak continued, even though they were down 10-0 to the Jets. Uh, That's 13 straight times in the Super Bowl era, so since 1960-whatever that they've come out on top. And then Josh Allen threw for another 300-yard game. He has the most 300-yard games in a single season for the Bills since 2002. And that's the only time I mentioned Allen in my takeaways. He was just okay today. Uh, He had a touchdown pass called back. He had 307 passing yards with, I think, another 60 rushing yards. I mean, he was very – he was efficient. He had a couple passes that could have been intercepted by the Jets, but – I thought he was efficient, and he wasn't the reason they won. He wasn't the reason they lost. He just he played well. There was one negative uh, takeaway I had too, and I left it for last, and that's AJ Klein has been AJ Klein has been a massive miss in free agency. Um, the, the Bills only brought in Matt Milano on third and fourth downs, and then in obvious passing situations like the end of the first half and the end of the game, they wanted to protect his uh, peck, uh, his injured peck, so that he could make it through the rest of the season. So they were just bringing him along. So Klein still got a lot of snaps in this game. And just every time he's out there, he looks lost. Unless on the one blitz where he had the half sack, he looked decisive because he knew exactly where he was supposed to go and what he was supposed to do. He was running full speed ahead, didn't have to worry about making a read or covering a guy. He just, he looks lost in coverage. He's not great against the run. Like, what's the point of having him here and paying him that much money? They even replaced him with an undrafted free agent earlier this year before Terrell Dotson himself was injured. So I just it was a massive miss. He's not going to be back in 2021. But, I mean, it's just such a big amount of money to pay for a guy that's not very good. When we come back from this quick break, we'll take your questions from the 18-10 win over the New York Jets. Don't go anywhere. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. 
Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. To Twitter. Scott asks us, would love to know if Coach McDermott took over defensive play calling in the second half of the Jets game. Scott mentions that they blitzed more, which we haven't seen in a while. That's true, and that's a specific game plan against Sam Darnold, who does not play very well against the Blitz. We remember maybe from last year, the year before, where he you know, said he was seeing ghosts in the backfield. And if you can get pressure on Darnold with Blitzers, that's the right way to defend Sam Darnold. It's not the right way to defend Patrick Mahomes, which is why the Bills sat in coverage last week and rushed three or four against Mahomes. So I will say that that was game plan specific. I don't think it's, you know, going to turn the Bills into a blitzing team every week. It has more to do with, you know, who's under center that week. But going back to your original question, uh, did McDermott take over play calling? Neither Leslie Frazier nor McDermott said that post game or on Monday during their press conferences. I don't believe that happened. Uh, so uh, earlier this season, Sean McDermott said that it was Leslie's defense and his defense to call. So nothing has changed on that front, according to what I saw or what I heard or what the coaches said. So it's a good question, and they definitely changed up their scheme on Sunday. But again, it was opponent-specific, and it obviously worked. The Jets only gained four yards of total offense in the second half, which pretty good. Don't know if you know that. Four yards. Be more in 2020 asks us, are you more concerned about the Patriots or Dolphins as a competitor for the AFC East this year? If both the Pats and Dolphins win next week, things are going to get hot in Buffalo. Yeah, that's probably true that last part. If, you know, the Bills lose to the Patriots and the Dolphins win, things are going to get a little bit, you know, upsetting for Bills fans for sure. Um, I'm more concerned about the Dolphins. They've got a better record than the Patriots, and the Patriots' offense has just looked so bad. Cam Newton has looked bad. So I 
guess I'm going to say the Dolphins because, like, maybe Tua comes in and, like, lights the world on fire. I don't think that the Patriots have somebody waiting in the wings that can, you know, turn around their season. So I'll go with the Dolphins right now, but it's a great question. It's it's a horse race between the two of those guys. And the Bills can really put a ton of distance between themselves and the rest of the AFC East by winning this weekend. If they win this weekend, they'll have four division wins. Miami already has um, two division losses. And so, like, the Bills can really solidify almost all of the AFC East tiebreakers by winning this weekend and beating the Patriots. So going into the final two weeks of the season, they could have, you know, a pretty commanding position in the AFC East race. Doug asks us, with Levi Wallace eligible to come off injured reserve this week, do we see less Dane Jackson for upcoming games? I feel he played a little bit better than Taron Johnson did. Yeah, that's not a really high bar to set with Taron Johnson. Uh, I've been saying the Bills should replace him for a while. Um, I can see them maybe playing uh, Wallace or Johnson in the slot and demoting Taron Johnson, like you said. So uh, Levi Wallace could play in the slot. Or sorry, Cam Lewis. I think I said Johnson earlier. But I can see them playing Cam Lewis in the slot or Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson and just getting Taron Johnson off the field altogether. Um, And that's if they don't make a trade for a different slot cornerback for the stretch run. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Josh Norman's hamstring. We don't know if Levi Wallace is fully healed. So there's a lot of question marks still at cornerback, uh, but it would not surprise me at all if we see Dane Jackson join the active roster this week. And it would not surprise me at all if we see him get a lot of playing time going forward. He's a gamer. And uh, Brandon Bean talked about that being the worst part about losing preseason games is that they weren't able to see which guys perform under the spotlight. Maybe they're not great in practice, but then under the lights, they're awesome. And there's reverse gamers too. We can think of, and I'll use Duke Williams as an example of this. You know, the the bigger the stage, the worse Duke Williams played. So he always played really well in practice and then hasn't really performed very well in games. This might be a case of the opposite, where a guy doesn't practice really well, but comes up big in games. So I do think that there's a possibility that we'll see more of Dane Jackson um, down the stretch here, maybe even ahead of Levi Wallace, who's working his way back from that leg injury. From Sean, do you think the Bills defense looked unprepared in the first half because they prepared for an Adam Gase called offense and not a Logan's called offense? Are their styles that different? I mean, I I think their styles are different. I don't know if they're that different. I think part of it is the Jets came in with a plan. You know, most teams script their first 15 plays that they want to run. And so the Jets came in with a plan, executed that plan really well. But as the Bills adjusted after those 15 plays and after the script ran out, the Jets weren't able to do anything and think on the fly. So it could be an adjustment by the Bills after they saw what the Jets did one time and they didn't let it up again. It could be that the Bills just executed better in the second half. It could be that the Jets weren't really creative after they scripted those first 15 plays and and couldn't match that magic in the second half. I think it's probably a combination of all of those things, and I don't think it has a ton to do with the difference in play callers that the Jets had, other than the fact that you know, maybe those first 15 plays were way different than what Adam Gase has done in the past. And then the Bills were able to counter that. So um, 
It's a great question, and I was glad that the announcers brought it up on the CBS broadcast. Uh, thanks for tweeting at us, uh, Sean. Felix asks us, is this another one of those a win is a win things? Because I'm not feeling too good about this team lately. Well, I keep looking back at the games against the Titans and the Chiefs, and the Titans game was just a cluster. It was There were so many mistakes, so many individual letdowns that led to the blowout. And then you look at the game against the Chiefs, where I think that you know if their offense had played a little bit better, that we'd feel a lot better about how that game came out. I don't. I think that the defensive game plan gave them a chance to win the game, and then the offense, which had been you know what was carrying them all season, just let them down. So I don't feel as bad about that Chiefs loss as I did right after the fact. I still think it means that they're going to have a problem in the playoffs this year, but I don't feel as bad about it right now. And then the game against the Jets. They scored or were in scoring position on every single one of their drives. They moved the ball. They had 400 yards of total offense. They held the Jets under 200 yards of total offense. They, you know, Cole Beasley's stat line, Stephon Diggs' stat line, Josh Allen's stat line. You know, they didn't punt all game. Like, if you look at a lot of those key metrics, the Bills crushed the Jets. They allowed four yards in the second half. They did everything that we wanted them to do, except score touchdowns. And so if you take... Tyler Croft, and he doesn't trip over his own two feet. If you take Gabe Davis's touchdown and put those on the board instead of two field goals, so you're taking off six points and adding 14, it's 26 to 10. And do we feel better? I mean, they cover the spread. You know, it's not a blowout, but it's not close either. The Jets don't have a last drive. So I just, do I feel better with those two touchdowns on the board? Yeah. But does it like bother me viscerally that the Bills didn't blow out the Jets 42 to 10? No, it doesn't bother me. I thought the Bills played well. They just have to score touchdowns. And, you know, wh- whether it's, you know, guard play or penalties or, you know, not tripping over your own two feet, it's it's a little, little things that kept them out of the end zone. And obviously that's not going to work against better teams, but maybe they take more chances against better teams. You know, when you're playing the Jets and you know, you're up, whatever it is, 12 to 10. Are you really thinking to yourself, I need to push the ball down the field and score as many points as I can? Do I have that sense of urgency? Probably not. So I'm not bothered by what we saw against the Jets. I'm also not saying a win is a win. Like obviously a win, like a win helps them get to their ultimate goal, which is winning the division, getting a home playoff game so that they can win playoff games. But I'm not sitting here after that game thinking, oh, they should have won 32 to 10. Like, I'm not fretting how they how they beat the Jets. So, I mean, I guess a win is a win, but it's not the end of the world when, you know, the Bills win 18 to 10 over the New York Jets because I after the first two drives by the Jets, I never really felt like the Jets were going to win the game. The Bills kind of clamped down on defense, and they were – just continuing to move the ball on offense really at at will. And so it never really worried me at all in the game. Thanks for your questions, guys, over on Twitter. We're at Rumlings Q&A over there. If you want to send in your voicemails, the phone number is 716-508-0405. Email us, buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. 
You can send us Facebook messages or Instagram messages at the Buffalo Rumblings official accounts, and they will get to me. There are just tons of ways to get in touch with the show. The Bills have a chance to put away the New England Patriots early in the season. They're two and four. Knocking them to two and five would just be a huge, huge victory for the Buffalo Bills, both psychologically and actually. So stick around for our coverage on that. We've got a live post-game show with Jay Spence the King that started this week after the win over the Jets. So you should check that out at like 7.15, 7.30 on Sunday nights uh, before the Sunday night kickoff. So there's a lot of cool things happening over at buffalorumblings.com. We're relaunching the YouTube channel to support Jay Spence's show, but also to feature Josh Rodden's videos and a whole bunch of other brand spanking new content. So go over to youtube.com slash buffalorumblings and subscribe over there to see our, our new content that's popping up over there. Uh, we just, we're trying to reach you in as many different ways as we can on the website, on podcasts, on social media, and now on YouTube. So check us out in all of those places. We look forward to seeing you after the Bills beat the Patriots. Go Bills.